The Doctor of Discernment is on the air. More than half the women in my administration are women. It's time that everybody wake up and pay attention. Dispensing a daily dose of common sense, no prescription required. President Biden's approval rating ranks right up there with jockage. Come on, man. Give me a little break here. People should not be afraid of their governments. Government should be afraid of their people. I don't believe in a no-win scenario. This is the Greg Belfridge Show. Good morning, my friend. The marketplace of ideas is open. It's great to be with you. Welcome to the Greg Belfridge Show. Donald Trump uh, did really well in uh, South Carolina. Nikki Haley did not do so well. And despite what she's saying, and if you notice, she's getting less and less time now <laughs> In the media, she's getting less and less time. That's a pretty good indication to you that, yeah, she's not doing well. Donald Trump spent about a little, I think, $1.3 million that Donald Trump spent in um, uh, in South Carolina. Excuse me, South Carolina. So Trump spent about $1.3 million there. Nikki Haley spent $16.5 million to win her home state of South Carolina, and she was still creamed. She still got creamed. And the she's out there. She's, she's in it to win it. She's going to continue. Uh, I think you and I probably, I certainly expected that. I didn't did not expect her to uh, drop out, and she was very candid that she would not drop out even if uh, – Things did not go well in South Carolina, and they didn't. Donald Trump pasted her. In fact, the race was called um, immediately after the polls closed. (laughs) So the polls closed, boom, and results were out there. So Trump uh, secured all 29 delegates. It's one of those winner-take-all, so Trump gets them all out of South Carolina. And Trump said, you know, this was a little sooner than we anticipated and even a bigger win than we anticipated, he said. And he said, I have never seen the Republican Party as united as it is right now. Uh, Trump said, um, and you, you got to wonder if that's, if that's the case. Trump saying that never been more united than, in, than Republicans are right now. Yeah. I, I think that really is the media, of course, pay zero attention to that. The last thing the media wants is to be out there and talking about how united Republicans are. It's division. It's division. It's division. You know, they want to concentrate on that. Nikki Haley, then, of course, staying in the race, gives is the, the platform then for them to be out there. Oh, look at this division. And what is Nikki Haley talking about? you got 40% of people who don't like Donald Trump. So, so it's, uh, it's just too much. It's just too much. So she gets creamed, and I go, yeah, big shock. Hardly, hardly, hardly a surprise, I think, to those of us who are really paying attention. So as we talk about South Carolina, Trump was joined on the stage by a number of South Carolina Republicans. Senator Tim Scott, of course, was there. 
Senator Lindsey Graham was also there. Now, Lindsey Graham uh, does not have a lot of fans in the conservative base. In fact, when Lindsey Graham uh, goes to speak, the crowd boos. They boo Graham. And uh, uh, Trump even uh, talked about that uh, a little bit, you know, about about Lindsey Graham and when the going gets tough, tough for Trump with those on the left side of the Republican Party, he said he goes to Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham's his go-to guy. So when things are getting tough for him on the left side of the Republican Party, that's where Lindsey Graham, and that's what, that's what Trump said. But so Graham was booed again. I I did not uh, heavily booed by the crowd, according to the New York Post. So Haley giving a concession speech on Saturday night, uh, congratulating Trump, and she said, you know what she's been saying. She's not going anywhere yet. She said, what I saw today was South Carolina's frustration with our country's direction. She said, and it's the same old thing. Now, she has also lost um, one of her biggest donors. One of her biggest donors has uh, has, uh, pulled out. This is uh, AFP Action. They are a wing of Americans for Prosperity, which is funded by the uh, Koch brothers. AFP Action has pulled their funding for the campaign of Nikki Haley. And in an email to staffers, uh, a senior advisor said the group did not believe that any outside group can make a material difference to widen Nikki Haley's path to victory. And so while we will continue to endorse her, we will focus our resources where we can make the difference. <laughs> so they're pulling out their money saying, yeah, we still endorse Nikki Haley. We're not backing off our endorsement, but we're sure not giving her any money because that's just going down a rat hole. <laughs> so we're going to give our money. Uh, they said uh, they're going to spend their money then in the U.S. Senate and House races. And Nikki Haley, of course, out there, oh, you know, trying to downplay that. You know, she's just going to continue all the, all the, yeah, which you always see this. And I understand that you can't let people see that you are in the middle of just incredible adversity and times are tough and you don't want to. You don't want to show that face, of course, to the people. I would love to hear what's going on behind the scenes. Wouldn't you want to be a fly on the wall to hear what's going on in the Nikki Haley campaign? Oh, be crazy. So it certainly, um, is it fair to say that the Nikki Haley campaign is over and everybody knows it except Nikki Haley? (laughs) I mean. That's that's kind of where we're where we're at, it seems. So her big funders, we've got one now who is dropping out, and when one drops out, it's sure to. I mean, 
be reasonable to assume that others will follow. So the money is already starting to dry up. And my reaction to that is not a moment too soon either. (laughs) Not a moment too soon. So there was a, there's a piece at uh, PJ media. They do a morning briefing. And I check it generally every, every weekday. This uh, this morning briefing by Stephen Cruiser, it's uh, it's really well de- uh, done. And he, the headline of this morning's morning briefing was, the 2024 Trump train isn't slowing down for anything in its path. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. No, so despite Nikki Haley... Um, and her saying she's not done, not over. Um, the This piece at uh, PJ Media goes on to say, as we're all now very aware, the Trump train ignored everything that got in its way, picking up steam or whatever is all the rage for powering metaphorical trains these days and making short work of the nomination race. On Saturday, the Trump train ran right through Nikki Haley's backyard, absolutely destroying any fantasies that the principled, and that's in quotes, the principled Trump-hating Republican crowd had about the former governor's electoral viability. Yeah, so this is going to destroy. It really destroyed the illusion that Nikki Haley was. If she can't win her home state, even despite outspending Trump by just an incredible margin, she spent $16.5 million. Trump spent, spent less than a million and a half, and he still mopped the floor. Um. It's just absolutely incredible. So that is continues to be a big story this morning, the South Carolina primary. Now we move forward to uh, Super Tuesday. And we'll see what happens there. Now as we talk about the Republican Party, uh, the chairwoman of the Republican National Committee, the RNC, Ronna McDaniel, officially announced her plans to step down. Uh, We all knew this was coming. So she has held the post for seven years now. She said, but she's being specific now about when she'll resign, March 8th. March 8th. So coming up fairly quickly, she said she plans to resign on March 8th. And McDaniels made a statement to the New York Times And she said, I've decided to step aside at her spring training on March 8 in Houston to allow our nominee to select a chair of their choosing. And then she said, some of my proudest accomplishments include firing Nancy Pelosi, uh, winning the popular vote in 2022, creating an election integrity department, among the things that she says she is proud of that she has done for the Republican Party. 
Other stories this morning, big stories. This is just incredible. This is uh, a member of the U.S. Air Force, and he set himself on fire outside the Israeli embassy in Washington, D.C. yesterday afternoon. Oh, there's a video live streamed on Twitch that shows him in uniform standing in front of the embassy gate identifying himself as a member of the U.S. Air Force and saying, I will no longer be complicit in genocide, referring to Gaza. I'm about to engage in an extreme act of protest, he said, and then he shouted, free Palestine, and lights himself on fire. So a spokesperson for the Air Force Confirmed that this guy is an active duty airman, wouldn't discuss his identity. He's been identified. He identifies himself in the video. And, um, but there, the Air Force is not confirming that. They wouldn't discuss his identity or his rank. And so, authorities at the scene could be heard asking, May I help you, sir? and yelling at the man to get down on the ground once he was on fire. So one person sprayed the man with a fire extinguisher. Another drew his gun. This happened yesterday afternoon, and he's in critical condition. It's just, wow. The And again, somebody who does that, mentally disturbed, he's got to be. This has got to be somebody mentally disturbed shouting free Palestine, and then lights himself on fire, and uh, wow, crazy. It's a big story this morning. Also, uh, I'm curious about this. I spotted this story this morning. For those of you who fly, I because I don't, I'm not much, I'm just not much of a traveler, but I know some of you are. What is the worst airport? That's out there. The U, the worst U.S. airport. And uh, there are stories about this this morning, ranking the worst airports out there. Uh, and I'm just curious, especially for those of you who fly. So we'll talk about that this morning. And if you've got thoughts, you can drop me an email, of course, anytime. Greg.Belfridge at KELO.com is my email address. Greg.Belfridge at KELO. Dot com, Email me there anytime. I appreciate your emails. Where is the word? John, you'll have to give me your thoughts. I know you're not much of a commercial flyer because you're flying yourself. Um, But I haven't flown. I mean, seriously, I have not flown since I went to basic training when I was in college. So, you're talking about since the early 80s that I've even been in an airport. And I just, I'm just not one to fly. My, and I'm not one to travel all that much. But I know a lot of you do, especially for business. You may travel a lot. What are the worst airports and why? We'll talk about that this morning. This is a troubling story. The, and you, see it this morning at foxnews.com this was a report that was released by the family research council 
and it was released last week, their annual Hostility Against Churches report. And the number of hostile incidents against churches last year rose to 436. That was more than double the number in 2022 and more than eight times as many as the group found in 2018. So numbers are, in other words, they're going through the roof, my friend. These attacks against churches are going through the roof, and they're saying there is a growing disdain for Christianity. I believe that. I see it everywhere I look. I see it in media, especially. You and you hear it coming out of, you know, the mouths of of many. So the report says Americans appear increasingly comfortable lashing out against church buildings, pointing to a larger societal problem of marginalizing core Christian beliefs, including those that touch on hot-button political issues related to human dignity and sexuality. Attacks on houses of worship may also signal a discomfort with religion in general. We're talking about this morning. We'll get into uh, that report in a little bit more detail. And uh, uh, I'll share some more of the uh, some more of the findings. I went to print out the whole report. It's like uh, I don't know. I mean, it was like a hundred. It's a it's a lengthy report. I mean, this is a lengthy report because just to print it out, it would have been uh, in the vicinity of a hundred pages plus. So I printed out a uh, a few pages, but they said. Um, among the key points that over the past six years, Family Research Council has identified 915 acts of hostility against churches in the United States. And they say between January and November of last year, at least 436 acts of hostility took place against churches criminal acts of vandalism, destruction of church property may be symptomatic of a collapse in societal reverence and respect for houses of worship and religion. Yeah, maybe uh, they're, they're being kind in the way that they're looking at it. I've, you've got to believe uh, it is. So, Statue of Mary outside a Catholic church was beheaded. I mean, seriously, the, the kinds of things that we see um, taking place are against churches. Really kind of troubling. So we'll get into that in a little bit more detail this morning. Get your thoughts on it. Also, there's an interesting story this morning at justthenews.com. And uh, the headline, uh, top story this morning at justthenews.com, top story. A nation enriched by legal immigrants now buckles 
from the weight of illegal crossers and their crimes. And they talk about some of the recent news that we have seen, um, you know, a nursing student who was uh, beaten to death near a Georgia college campus. And these stories go on. They list a number of them just in their fir- first uh, paragraph. And it says the roll call of victims violated by Joe Biden's border policies is rising as fast as the hotel and welfare tabs for sanctuary cities. Thrusting a, an American society that has long revered its immigrant heritage into a crisis of epic proportions, driven by more than 8 million illegal border crossers since Joe Biden took office. And they put that in context. That total surpasses the individual populations of more than half of the states in the country. That helps you kind of understand it, I think, in in more directly. The number of illegals that are coming in, it's just, I think it's the most important story of our time. And that's a look at the big stories this morning.